Robot cars are coming, and fast. This week I talk with Paul Godsmark, a consultant from Canada, who's the co-founder and CTO of CAVCO, the Canadian Automated Vehicles Centre of Excellence. Paul has been studying automated vehicles for a long time, and is probably one of the world's leading experts in the subject. He's talked to a lot of companies and local authorities about the upcoming robot car revolution. He thinks it's going to be as disruptive, if not more so, than the internet. There's going to be a lot of changes. There'll be new big businesses that will be created, and there'll also be some that will go bankrupt. There's going to be big and very profound changes for our jobs, for our travel, and even what we do with our lives. My name is Leander Caney. I'm the editor and publisher of Cult of Mac, a blog about Apple, and the New York Times bestselling author of some books about technology, most recently a biography of Johnny Ive, Apple's head designer. Caney's Corner is a new weekly podcast. Every week I'll be interviewing a guest about the world of Apple. I've got some great guests lined up, including a bunch of ex-Apple staffers who will talk about their work and working with Steve Jobs. I've also got people like an iPhone case maker who'll spill the beans on the competitive and shadowy world of case making. Being first to market is worth millions of dollars, and these guys do some crazy things to get the specs of Apple's upcoming devices get the jump on the competition. I'll also talk to app makers and IT guys and recyclers. It's a big Apple world out there, and there's tons of great, fascinating stories to tell. So thanks so much uh, for, uh, for taking the time. And it's a holiday, huh? It is, Canada Day. But you're not Canadian. Uh, not yet, but I've been, oh, I'm, I'm a permanent resident. I see. Okay. And you're from the UK and your background is as a highway engineer. That's correct. And um, so now you're the co-founder and CTO of um, CAVCO. Indeed, yes. And can you tell me about CAVCO? What does CAVCO do? Okay, so we're a, a consultancy. We provide services to the public and private sector. And what we're doing is we're raising awareness of the socio-economic impacts of autonomous vehicles and how basically they will affect organizations, business and operational models. In most cases, those organizations will be impacted significantly and in some cases, their operations and business will be disrupted. And it's a bit like the internet. If you could have had four or five years warning that your business was going to go down the tubes unless you did something, <laughs> you'd have wanted to hear our advice. So. Right. But how, I imagine now, how does that message come across to some companies? I mean... Well, that's hard. Most companies, uh, managers, don't wake up going, oh, goodness, I need to hear about autonomous vehicles today because we're going to go bust in eight years. They right. just don't think that. Yeah, so yeah. It, it, it's, uh, it's actually a hard sell, you know, trying to warn people of something that could be catastrophic for their company when they themselves haven't seen it. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, but we, we keep plugging away. Yeah, right. I, I can imagine. I can totally imagine. Because it is, I mean, how disruptive do you think it's going to be? Is there a good analogy? Well, I'm, yes, I, th I, th I think it will be as disruptive as the internet. And I ask people to think of autonomous vehicles as a physical internet. Um, so unlike right. just being an electronic communications device, this is a physical mobility device. But it is so much more than just transporting people goods and services there's an entire data and apps side to autonomous vehicles which will blow us away with the new business models that emerge well can, can you explain that a bit more what, what do you mean by that well if you take the phone for instance um your, your smartphone without the app store your phone isn't much better than a brick you know really if it we just kept to the phone functions it wouldn't have been much but the apps on it and who would have thought 
um, of all the apps that we could have that would change our lives. You know, I, I'm just thinking, you know, I, I never knew that I would become an amateur bird spotter simply because of an app on my phone that quickly allows me to understand, you know, different birds, their calls, what they look like. Uh, and there's all manner of apps that we use that we had no idea that were going to be relevant. And yet they're changing our lives. You know, who knew Facebook on my phone would take up, I don't know, 5% of my waking life. And things like Uber, you know, which are enabled by the phone, they wouldn't have been possible, would they, without a mobile e computer? Exactly. And, and autonomous vehicles are, again, simply not, not they're not going to be a brick without the apps, but the apps will add far more value, value than people have realized. Uh, do you have a good, an example of the kind of thing that might happen uh, in an app? Um, well, okay, so what one, one app idea would be matchride.com, where um, I want to link up with someone uh, who might, I f might find attractive for, for the journey to work of a morning. Uh, and if we get on well, we might go out for a date that evening, for instance. So we're, 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 we're <laughs> extending the phone app into something more practical. Right. Um, delivery of services is, is a huge one that the, that the autonomous vehicle unleashes. Uh, at the moment, we don't do much service delivery or service function from our vehicles because it requires an expensive driver in it to do it. Once we halve the cost of, of using these vehicles, then we can start getting more and more services delivered uh, and the vehicles themselves can start performing services. Anyway, I won't, I won't reveal too many details there because I have business models that I'm trying to develop and I want to make money from this. <laughs> I was going to say, can you give me some examples? Well, I, I was looking at, um, you know, I wanted to get uh, something picked up at, in another city recently and I, I didn't realise that you, there's now this kind of like delivery on demand services where people, um, either you can get someone to go and pick it up for you or if someone's coming up here, they can um, sign up using an app and, and turn their journey into a delivery journey as well. In other words, they'll go pick something. If they're going to be driving up from San Jose to San Francisco and someone needs something delivered from San Jose to San Francisco, they'll pick it up and bring it to you and you pay for their gas. That's such a neat idea, yeah. So sensible. Yeah, I couldn't find anyone, though. <laughs> was to, and it was, a, it was a giant stove, so I couldn't find anyone actually who was willing to do that. But I, I can see how that works. Well, you know, of course, autonomous vehicles were just in the news today with Tesla and the first uh, yeah. fatal accident. Um, people, you know, Elon Musk had been talking about largely autonomous driving within a couple of years, and other people are projecting five or ten. Do you know, what, what's your impression about the timeline? Uh, yeah, we are, um, personally, we are hostage to what the developers are saying i do think it, it, and it all comes down to context as well this is this is one of the biggest problems if people are expecting a go anywhere do everything in any weather vehicle then no we will not have that in two years uh, what we will definitely have in two years because it's already started in its earliest forms now is we will have low speed vehicles traveling around within geofenced geographically constrained areas in cities and they will be traveling on public roads within two years and they probably won't be able to deal with all weather situations and then in four years uh, sometime around 2020 i'm expecting we'll have vehicles that can travel at higher speeds pretty much anywhere in the city and some of those will also be able to travel between cities and then within 10 years i am expecting we will have the go anywhere do anything vehicle Ten years—that seems amazing. And and, and would that be all the vehicles on the on the road? You know, trucks and and uh, buses and personal private vehicles. Well, the market penetration rate is going to be extremely rapid. 
Um, and once you've developed an autonomous vehicle driving system, you can apply that to just about any platform. It's simply a matter of calibrating it and right-sizing the technology, the sensors and the actual hardware suite to the vehicle type. So whatever platform and service will make money, then you can bet that there will be autonomous vehicles serving that function. And of course, it unleashes so many new vehicle types and modalities, uh, you know, forms of how we move about. So uh, that the imagination is the limit. And the, I say the market penetration will, I personally believe, will be much more rapid than most automotive analysts are predicting because We've never had, I don't believe in history, we've never had a device that simply by owning it, uh, you could put it to use and it will make you money. So you pay for it once, you pay a small maintenance cost, and then it just goes on and makes you money. And that, to my mind, in a capitalistic society, will sell quicker than it can be made. And I believe these things will be made very quickly, uh, as we've seen by the way that the smartphones, um, when they were first released, how demand exceeded supply. Huh, so these, uh, it's, it, instantly Airbnb popped to mind there. Um, you know, it'll be like, so if you, have, if you have an autonomous vehicle, you'll be able to rent it out or, or perform services with it that uh, will pay for its... Absolutely, yeah. So imagine I, I'm I'm a kid at college, and I'm thinking, well, I could bu buy myself a car for the next four years, and it will sit idle 95% of the time, and at the end of the four years, I'll barely get 30% of the value of the car back. Or I could buy myself an autonomous vehicle, hire it out, so instead of being idle 95% of the time, it's maybe idle only 70% of the time, I'll get 30% use out of it. I think that's a realistic figure. And all the time I'm hiring out, it will pay for itself. So at the end of four years, I might start making return on my investment. So yeah, I mean, transformative. It's thousands and thousands of dollars a year, the difference between um, hire, owning and renting out an autonomous vehicle and owning a, a, a regular human-driven vehicle. Will there be that much demand? I mean, if, if everyone owns an autonomous vehicle and is trying to rent it out, well, <laughs> do you know do you see what I mean? Would that, wouldn't that exactly. saturate the market? Exactly, which is why we are probably we're almost certainly going to end up with a market being dominated by large tech companies who are in charge of these fleets. Um, because whoever controls, whoever owns and is mar is licensing or selling the autonomous driving system really o owns the market. And and yeah, I can see them going into partnership with automakers building these huge fleets for as quickly as they can and and then that will be it and, and they might not even sell them to to private individuals because why would you sell it to people that will compete with you right uh, you don't you want to corner the market uh yourself well that brings up my you know particular interest in it because apple is rumored to be to be developing a vehicle and um if it's an autonomous vehicle it it, from what I've heard about, you know, the talk about business models with autonomous vehicles, it breaks what Apple is doing now, which is selling, um, you know, uh, devices to individuals. Um, would, you know, what do you think about that? Does do you think um, do you think people would buy their own vehicle, or would they, you know? That's that's an interesting question because we could, if it if it paralleled the smartphone market, we could find, for instance, if Apple were doing this, they could produce a high quality, more expensive, high end, niche vehicle uh, to replace, um, you know, high end ownership, 
uh, rather than aim for the mass market. Whereas Google, and here the parallel is wonderful, could be aiming uh, at um, a system <laughs> that would appeal to the masses in great volume. Uh, so yeah, I could see I could see there being a high-end market, and it would probably split similar to the current smartphone market, in that if you aim for the high-end, you 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 look at um, higher profits, uh, but lower volume. Uh, so you get this Apple Google split again. And but, but would would you know individual ownership of a car makes sense in a, in a, that sort of on-demand autonomous driving world? Why would I own a car if um, you know I could call one up at any time? Well, I, I do think there will always be some people that can pay the premium and will just insist on owning their own car. Uh, there will be some people who need a lot of equipment and stuff in their car and they will want it to have functions specific for them. And they will probably benefit from owning their own vehicle, but they're more likely to be working vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, most people, the vast majority of people, will be better off not owning a vehicle. They'll actually be safer, they'll be more sustainable, they'll be more environmentally friendly, uh, and they'll save a lot of money in doing so. Uh, and they'll, they'll then end up hiring the type of vehicle they want for the journey that they're making. So, yeah, I, I think most people will just find they save money and it's more convenient not to own a vehicle. And what about the split between the car companies and the tech companies? Do you, do you think that um, one will dominate the way that the smartphone market was completely upturned by Apple's entry into it? Yeah, I, I, in, this, in terms of the market domination, I see it a bit like the, the old operating system wars on, on, the, on the PCs. Um, whoever gets to market first with a product that is certified safe they could dominate the market um, quite quickly because um, an automaker that doesn't license this system will lose sales to the automaker that is licensing this system. Hmm. Um, so I think the automaker is going to be forced into doing a, a deal very quickly. Uh, so that's my personal view. Um, so, like, you know, the way that Microsoft dominated the, the, the PC in the early days by licensing, you know, the, the, the operating system to, to a, a whole bunch of different hardware makers who competed to bring down hardware prices and turn it into a commodity. You think the same thing will happen in the autonomous car market? Yes, I do, because the, the secret of autonomous driving is the uh, artificial intelligence operating system. And once you've developed that operating system, you can apply it to any platform, any sensor um, suite. And so it's, you're not just developing a, an, a, a system that just drives autonomous vehicles, you are developing an autonomous robot operating system. And you know, obviously, the, once we've got autonomous vehicles on the road, uh, we're, we're already seeing huge developments in autonomous robots. You just look at the DARPA robotic challenge following on from the DARPA grand challenge, which was where the autonomous vehicles were developed. You can see from the DARPA robotic challenge that the same thing is happening. And again, it's no coincidence that Google invested so heavily a few years ago in eight of the world's top robotic companies, because robotics is the natural um, next step from, from getting an autonomous vehicle going. Okay, so we're gonna have robots too, <laughs> cleaning up and oh yeah, yeah, definitely, up, yeah, flipping Ro burgers. 
robots doing manual work outside of factories and again my prediction there I, i'm a bit less bit vague on this one but i think by 2023 we can expect to see autonomous robots uh yeah making big inroads into into the dull dirty and dangerous jobs this episode of Kane's corner is supported by tunnel bear an award-winning service that gives you fast and private access to the internet TunnelBear is a virtual private network, or VPN, that guards your privacy and security while online. A VPN is a must-have for any public internet usage. If you log on at a coffee shop or the airport, it's crazy to do it without a VPN. TunnelBear works on all your devices, computers, tablets and phones. It's by far the easiest to use and best designed VPN I've encountered. It's so easy to use, my mom, who's in her mid-70s, routinely uses it to watch TV in the UK. She lives here in San Francisco and she uses it to get a UK IP address, which allows her to watch UK TV shows that are blocked over here. It's not just the UK, you can browse like you're in the United States or Germany, Japan, India, or dozens of other countries. It's dead, dead easy to use and super secure. Nothing is logged. It's all super private. It's more used by more than 10 million people. I've been a paying subscriber for a couple of years and my mom and brother too. Go to gettunnelbear.com, that's gettunnelbear.com, and create a free trial account. If you use that URL, TunnelBear will know that we sent you. Again, it's gettunnelbear.com. So thanks to TunnelBear for supporting this episode of Kane's Corner. So the changes of the last 10, 20 years, you know, with, with in, in, uh, all, all of the issues that are being talked about now in the, in the sort of, you know, the run-up to the presidential election, jobs going overseas, uh, you know, manufacturing disappearing from this country, uh, that's going to look like um, a hiccup compared to, you know, what might happen when we have autonomous vehicles and robots. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, it's no, I don't think it's any any accident or any coincidence that whenever we talk about autonomous vehicles and the significant jobs displacement that they um, will will create, we start talking then about autonomous robots and we start talking about artificial intelligence. And then you realize that, yes, more and more jobs are being displaced by automation and robotics and artificial intelligence. And unlike previous historical trends such as the Industrial Revolution and the various technology revolutions, in those historical uh, changes, and they're still going on, we had lots of jobs displaced, but we had even more jobs created. Right. What's different about this revolution is that the rate that the jobs are being displaced will be more rapid than our ability to retrain to do new jobs. And what we're seeing is, so this begins to deconstruct capitalism uh, because we live in a post-scarcity economy. You know, really there is enough money to go around. Um, there is enough food and, and resources. And so then you start a discussion about something like basic income. What do you replace capitalism with if, if, if financial inequality has grown so great and there aren't any jobs? So we're all going to need a basic income to allow us to live, to unleash our creativity. And if we don't, as a couple of the billionaires have pointed out uh, down in Silicon Valley, then the pitchforks will come out and there <laughs> will be a social recalibration, which is a, you know, a euphemism for revolution. Right. So, yes, um, I'm very concerned that actually what we're seeing now with Brexit and, um, you know, the, the potential election of Donald Trump in the US is this is, is a bit of a kickback um, to to what is actually going on, this underlying trend, which is only accelerating. Right. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, um, uh, yeah. You know, it's um, it's going to get much, much uh, more uh, impactful, isn't it? It's going to have a much, much bigger impact because all of the service jobs will go, which is like what what has been left. Yeah. So you have got the dull, dirty, and dangerous jobs will be taken up by autonomous robots. The artificial intelligence is very rapidly making inroads into the professional sector. People that thought they were absolutely safe, you know, oh, you'll always need a a top surgeon, you'll always need a a lawyer, whatever. Didn't we just see in the last few days, we've got a guy who's doing chatbots for for traffic tickets, and he's he's had 160,000 overturned. You know, it's at the moment, it's artificial narrow intelligence, which is just sniping away very specific siloed functions. But as artificial intelligence improves, it's going to much more rapidly spread out and affect so many more jobs. What do you think, uh, you know, society will look like in in such a world? Um, I'm, I'm incredibly excited because once we begin to release our creativity... Um, really what we can achieve is only limited by our imaginations. Um, currently, too many of us are, f- are, you know, are incredibly creative, intelligent, smart people in all different ways. Some are academically smart, some are socially smart. But we're limited on what we can do because we have to do these pretty boring jobs. <laughs> right. Imagine how much more we could achieve if we unleash that creativity. So I'm trying to be positive here because there are a lot of downsides to what I'm discussing. And I'm trying to, and we are incredibly durable and resilient as, as a race of people. And I'm hoping that we will get some very positive outcomes from it. It makes me think of uh, you know, ancient Rome and Greece, which were slave economies. And uh, everyone sort of sat around drinking wine and, and debating and dreaming up, um, you know, uh, early mathematics and astronomy. I mean, they were incredibly uh, creative and knowledgeable, in the romantic view anyway, right? That, that's a really good analogy. I like that. Thank you. I'll use that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, and then there's no guilt, is there? You, you can't feel bad about, you know, getting, making a robot go get, to your, um, get your dinner. No, no, none at all. Yeah. It's, um, th- th- I mean, this it, it, it seems as though we're on the cusp of this, and it seems that these are really cataclysmic, you know, massive, massive changes. And it seems almost fantastical, like this is the future that we all imagined. And you think that it's really, we're on the cusp of this? Yeah, I, I, I do. I absolutely do. You look at the uh, human development against time curve, um, and basically we're on the cusp of the hockey stick um, trend where development just goes pretty much vertical. Um, if you know, I, I try and explain to people, if you think about, I, I show my age here. When I was at school, um, I, I got the first ever digital watch at school. And if you'd have told me in 40 years time, you would have the world's knowledge in your pocket, access, you know, the entire world's knowledge accessible immediately in your pocket. I just wouldn't have believed you. You know, what's the point of doing school if, if that's the case? Well, <laughs> that same ch- level of change we are going to experience in the next eight years. So if I couldn't conceive of having the world's knowledge in my pocket 40 years ago, I'm struggling, even being a bit of a futurist myself, to see what the world's going to be like in eight years' time. Because, I mean, I, we haven't discussed even the biotechnology breakthroughs here, the, um, um, the longevity escape velocity, uh, the fact that if you think you're going to live for 25 years, you might live forever. I mean, it is, and, and the artificial intelligence side. So we've got so many major technologies converging 
and this is why you get well, this is why Google have taken on Ray Kurzweil um, I was gonna say. as a senior advisor because um, you know there are some huge things taking place and the rate of change is accelerating and our human minds struggle to deal with linear incremental development let alone accelerating development but we're talking about acceleration that is accelerating uh, Ray Kurzweil, I mean, he's been uh, predicting the singularity for a long time, 40 f years now. Is that right? And wasn't it, didn't he sort of, the, 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 that, that point keeps getting pushed back? Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with the, uh, the timeline for that. I'm, I'm a relative newcomer to this over the last five years. But the current timelines of, of artificial intelligence and singularity, you know, sometime around the 2040s, 2060s, it seems all to line up with the current rate of, of developments. That sounds uh, terrifying. <laughs> Although, because I, I know that journalist jobs are definitely going to be on the line. Um, we're going to be replaced by our robots pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, one futurist I heard summed it up really well, and I, I, I've already started doing this, and, and that is we're going, to, we're going to move from earning a living to learning a living. And um, I certainly found that in my job. I, I spend most of my time researching autonomous vehicles, the developments, and doing thought leadership around what they might do. And, yeah, I'm no longer earning a living as such as doing a, a, a task uh, a repetitive task or applying my knowledge to specific situations mm. because i know that robots are rapidly taking over what i used to do for a job uh, and i think more and more of us are going to have to do this um in very different ways you know moving to learning a living in the arts and creative sectors is very very different to in the technology and professional services sectors. But I think we're all going to start doing it, uh, journalists as well. And I think in, in some ways journalists are, are leading the charge here because journalists are learning so many things about so many subjects and, and uh, are some of the few people that can really tie stuff together and see the, the, the horizontal connections as opposed to the siloed vertical connections. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to think that. I wrote it when I was back in college, back in the 80s. I mean, I did a course in artificial intelligence and wrote a robot, uh, an artificial intelligence program that tried to um, uh, write uh, news stories based upon a template that, um, you know, most news stories follow, the, the inverted pyramid. Um, and uh, I could see that happening. But that's just, you know, just spitting out information. You know, you could take a, like a, a soccer game or something like that and give the, the highlights of what happened. But like you said, yeah, I, that find, I find that really attractive, the idea that you can spend your lifetime learning, which I love to do anyway, lying around, you know, reading. Um, it's, uh, I can't wait. Um, and yeah, I'd love to get rid of all the, the you know, the drudgery of work. Uh, but of course, these are massive social changes. And uh, in the current political climate, um, I think they're going to be very difficult for people to wrap their heads around. Um, I could probably see the pitchforks coming out before the, uh, you know, before 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 um, society rearranges itself to try to give everyone a, a basic income. Although I guess in Europe they're doing this already, aren't they? There's the serious discussion of giving people a, a basic minimum income. Yeah, um, Switzerland about within the last month, Switzerland voted on whether to introduce basic income. Uh, it was resoundingly defeated, 77% uh, of votes against and 23% of votes for. 
What I would say, though, is that I take a lot of hope in the fact that 23% of people did see this as something that's needed and important. And I can only see that figure growing, particularly, you know, in 10 years time, what percentage of the people that voted yes will be in, in the in the middle class bracket that will have found that their jobs are no longer relevant. You know, as, as, as people lose their jobs and see this looming on the horizon, they will, they will start to realize that basic income and the redistribution of wealth in a more equitable manner is, is one way. You know, there must be other uh, socio-political uh, constructs that we can come up with, but basic income is the only one for me thus far that I've come across that makes much sense, although I'm no expert on it. Right. Huh. And that was a referendum, not a not not the uh, uh, was that a, a, a referendum of the entire populace, or was yes. it in the parliament? Okay. Yeah, the entire populace. And uh, I know that in Canada, uh, basic income is going to be discussed in parliament soon. Uh, there have been numerous um, numerous attempts to model it at a, on, a, on a very local level around the world, uh, experiments and studies. And, you know, they've learned a lot from those. It's not all roses. There are things that can go wrong. But I think on the whole, they found it to be very positive. And, and, you know, some some people say, well, most people just sit around lazing all day, sleeping and doing nothing. And in fact, the studies are finding that people are actually finding that they're newly motivated and becoming very creative. And it's, it's been a positive thing. So, you know, it's not one size fits all. Some people will abuse the system, but... Uh, I'm hoping that we will find the majority would um, would benefit and grow from it. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, totally. Okay, well, unfortunately, um, I've got to go because I've got another call coming in um, in 10 minutes. Um, was there anything else you wanted to, we should talk about, particularly about autonomous vehicles? Uh, no other than, you know, I'm, I'm very excited about it. It's a technology, it's coming whether we're ready or not. And we we really do need to get ready. And 99% of us are stakeholders in this. And you know, I just urge everyone to become aware of the impact it will have on you, on your life, uh, at home, and at work, uh, because you will be impacted. And you're already making decisions now um, that will be affected by autonomous vehicles, even if it comes to just replacing an existing vehicle or you know, making decisions about parking needs at work. It, it's, uh, it, these are all now within the time frame that they will be impacted by autonomous vehicles. Right, yeah, yeah, especially, as, uh, uh, who do you talk mostly to? Um, businesses, big businesses, small businesses? Uh, our, our work is mostly in the private sector, um, but we would like the public sector and cities in particular to become more active in researching because they're making decisions about committing billions and billions of dollars to public transit and road widening and we really want them to consider the impact autonomous vehicles could have on those plans um, you know in, in most major cities in North America we there are enough studies now to indicate that we probably shouldn't be investing in new infrastructure for public transit and we should be preparing for large fleets of autonomous vehicles providing a, a mobility as a service um, system that will replace private vehicle ownership 
Huh, right, yeah, they, and of course, you know, they, they, they're talking about they're trying to build a high-speed train here um, between uh, San Francisco and Los Angeles. Bullet train that doesn't make any sense, huh? In, a, in an autonomous vehicle well, world, um, it will be that the business model will be impacted by autonomous vehicles. There will be people that will travel slowly and very energy efficient overnight in sleeper vehicles. Um, there will be some people that find that they want to get from one side of San Francisco to the other side of Los Angeles and if they could do it in one vehicle it would actually be more efficient than modal changes Um, and then you've also got the Hyperloop which will probably be a fraction of the cost of high-speed rail and will be quicker so Mm. I do think we should be doing a lot more due diligence on heavy rail and light rail plans and proposals um because because of speed it's a, you know you'll get there much quicker and the cost and the environmental impact uh, we've we need to be much more holistic just because um high speed rail was great for the last 100 years doesn't mean it's the right solution for the next 100 years so will we be seeing more roads no no if um we uh, we did a conference in toronto and a major consulting engineer stood up and and i discussed this with them a couple of years ago but they said it publicly the first slide they put up was do we need to build more roads uh, and obviously they wouldn't be answering the question asking the question if the answer was an emphatic of, of course we need to build more roads the answer is no we probably don't need to be building anywhere near as many roads as we're currently building and then what about um, street parking and, and and car parks downtown what will happen to those um we can expect to see a massive reduction in the need for on-street parking and uh, we can see huge repurposing of existing uh, parking lots and parking structures Um, i can see fleets of vehicles being maintained and, and leased out of some of those parking structures but we won't need so many vehicles to serve um our needs Um, one autonomous vehicle will replace anywhere between 2 and 13 private vehicles at Cavco we estimate 5 to 6 is probably the sweet spot so there will be less vehicles that need to be parked uh, and they'll spend much more time moving efficiently between rides uh, and and therefore taking utilisation from 5% of the time being in use to to upwards 30% plus Huh. Okay. Awesome. I, unfortunately, I would have to run. Okay. Uh, fascinating talking to you, Paul. I mean, these are amazing um, ideas, and uh, it's re- really exciting, but also terrifying. It, it is. We don't do change well, and we are looking at more change in the next eight years than we've had in the last 40. So, yeah, it's it's going to be crazy times. Great. Okay, Paul. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Yep. I look forward to speaking again. Thanks so much. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for this week. I'd like to thank Paul Godsmark, the co-founder and CTO of CAVCO, the Canadian Automated Vehicles Centre of Excellence. This was Kane's Corner, a new weekly podcast about the world of Apple. If you like this uh, recording, please subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or in Google Play. New episodes come out every week. And please uh, check out Cult of Mac at cultofmac.com. You can find us on Twitter at, uh, at cultofmac and also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash cultofmac. See you next week.